You are listening to the Empowering Business DFW Podcast, and I am your host, Stephen Austin. This episode is sponsored by Link. Are you someone who passes out a ton of business cards expecting a follow-up? With traditional business cards, as many of you know, they get lost. We are changing the way that we connect with new people. This easy-to-use product is great for anyone. Link offers a line of products that let you share information instantly with the people you meet. You can build a page that contains your contact information, website, social media links, photos, videos, appointment scheduling, custom forms, and more, all shareable with just one tap of this smart device. It's an unlimited-use business card that you can change over time. The possibilities are endless. As an added bonus, if you purchase using promo code EMPOWERINGBUSINESSDFW, you will receive 15% off your entire order. Check the link in the show notes for more details. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Business DFW podcast. And my guest today is Deidre Kindred. She is the owner and founder of Your Nurse Navigates. And, you know, when I met Deidre, I believe it was on Clubhouse. Correct me if I'm wrong. It may have been. <laughs> I, I get confused. <laughs> so I think we were in a, a DFW Plug Your Business Clubhouse room or something like that, maybe. Uh, either way. I heard your story and it really resonated with me. And, and I, I think um, the value that you're bringing to the community, especially in the healthcare field um, where what you're doing for, for everyone yeah, is awesome just in general. So I'm grateful that you're here. I'm grateful that you're going to help educate us on, on some things in the healthcare field uh, and, you know, kind of tell us your story about what it is you do. So if you don't mind, just introduce yourself. Um, you know, who is Deidre? Wow. Uh, so Deidre is a entrepreneur. I believe entrepreneurship is in my DNA. I grew up in a very entrepreneurial home. My mother was a single parent of four and she always instilled in us to have a vision and a mission and a purpose, but also multiple streams of income is really important. And also don't put all your eggs in one basket. So I love entrepreneurship. I used to um, be one of the organizers for One Million Cups Fort Worth. I did that for about three years. I was also a, I've had several businesses. Um, I've been a legal nurse consultant. I've taught CPR. I had a travel agency. I had a group home <laughs> and I'm also a nurse. And I've been a nurse for about 20 years. And my background is cardiovascular intensive care, anything ICU with adults and home health nursing, where we do IV, IG infusions in the home for those who are immunocompromised. Yeah. And now I have the wonderful opportunity of being a leader in healthcare to help empower patients and family members. So I have a company, it is Your Nurse Advocates. We're educators, advocators, and navigators. One thing I love about your your business. And when you were explaining to me, and now that I'm thinking back, uh, 1 million cups Fort worth, that's where 
I heard you from somehow, some way. But that was it. That was it. Yes. Um, which is a great uh, group or an organization. So if you are in the Dallas Fort Worth area, uh, find a One Million Cups chapter that you can be a part of. And even if you're not in DFW, they're national, correct? Absolutely. All over the United yeah, so, States and in other parts of the world. It's called different, a different term in other parts of the world, but it's an amazing organization. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So if you are in DFW and, and there's some great leaders um, in this in this DFW market for 1 million cups. So just go shameless plug, go, go join them and yes. um, start building community <laughs> there. But, you know, when I first started listening to <clears throat> your focus on what it is you're doing, it kind of resonated because, um, and we can dive into, let you explain a little bit more, but you are advocating for for caregivers who don't necessarily know the, the lingo and don't know, you know, when you go to, let's just say, for example, um, you know, you, your mother is in the hospital or you're, you're the caregiver for your parent, but sometimes the doctors will use big words and, and use medications and I, we don't know this stuff. So explain a little bit about what it is you do for caregivers and how you support, you know, patients in general. Absolutely. Great question. So what I do for caregivers, and when I say caregivers, I'm not talking about healthcare personnel. I'm talking about the daughters, the sons, the mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, that when an event happens in your healthcare journey, life kind of stops. You kind of get lost in like, where do I go? What do I do? They're not giving me information that I need. I have no clue what they're talking about. Even when you're going to your doctor's visit, it can get kind of confusing because the doctors, they don't have time to really sit with you and explain lots of things. Now, there are some physicians out there that will, but that's about 30 minutes or so. That's a good time to sit with a doctor. But what about when you leave the doctor's office? What about how a disease process or medication affects you individually? My whole thing is that I don't like people to be put under an umbrella because we are all individuals and someone needs to be with you to educate you on how it affects you mentally, financially, spiritually, wholly, because healthcare can affect your whole life. It's, it disrupts yeah. your whole life. So having someone to educate you on the resources that are available or how you yourself navigate the healthcare system when you have three or four physicians on board. They don't have time to talk to each other. So who's helping you put the puzzle pieces together? I think Private that, duty advocates. Yeah, I think that's one of the hardest things, going back to what I was saying earlier, I think that's one of the hardest things to understand. Like there's so much terminology and, and medication. And, you know, when I heard this in one of your videos on YouTube, you know, there are so many different things, especially if you have, and we're going to talk about this here in a minute, kind of your personal reason why you started this, but with your mother, four different things going on. And sometimes medication can counter, <laughs> counter, counteract. Is that a good word? That's a good word. Good word. Uh, against different medications. So what you may be needing for one thing can offset what you need for the other. And so, right. you know, as, as a caregiver who is taking care of a parent or a sibling, that's hard to understand. 
So someone like you comes in and actually provides that value uh, is huge. I think it's huge. And mm -hmm. that's why one of the reasons why I wanted you to come on this podcast and educate us because honestly, it hadn't been a service that I've heard about in the past. And I think, I think it's amazing what you're doing, but um, going back to it, you know, you have really two reasons why you started the business more personal and then more professional. Do you want to expand on that at all? Absolutely. So I'll start with the professional reason I started this business. When I worked in the hospital in the ICU, basically, I worked in the cardiovascular ICU. So we dealt with a lot of people who had heart attacks or they needed bypass surgery or their kidney function was, you know, deteriorating. What I found is that basically in the hospital, we treat you and we street you meaning that we take care of your acute problem. We don't ask your existing physicians how things have been going, what's been working, what hasn't been working for you. We basically hone in on the issue, say you have a broken hip, okay? We don't care about anything else. We care about fixing that broken hip. So we're gonna give you our surgeons and our internal medicine doctors who don't have the time to talk with your existing physicians, let alone we got a whole different formulary of medicines that our pharmacy internally in the hospital is going to put you on. So when it comes time for a discharge home, it's very confusing. The waters are so muddy. And then what do we do? We say, Oh, follow up with your existing physicians and tell them what we did. Wow, that's a lot. So many rooms for error and misunderstanding and things like that. So I always thought there's a gap in the system. We need to have somebody that fills the gaps, but there was nobody doing it. And it's very confusing as a caregiver your mom or dad goes into the hospital, they have surgery or whatever. And then you're like, well, I got to get mom to the doctors after she gets out the hospital. I don't even know what they're saying. You take time off of work, time out of your busy schedule. There is no work-life balance. You have your husband, your kids, your wife, your, your business or your job, and you got your parents that you got to care for. So that brings me around to the personal reason I did it. So my mom at the age of 52, around that age, she started showing some symptoms of MS and some symptoms of Parkinson's. Both of them have some of the same symptomologies, you know, tremors, you know, difficulty swallowing, memory loss, things like that, pain. The diagnosing process was such a tedious and time consuming thing because mom couldn't drive. So we had to get off of work, go pick mom up, get her to the physician's office, wait on the physician. Physician comes in, he's there like 10 or 15 minutes, he's out. And then we're off to the next physician's office or the next appointment where that information hasn't got from physician A to physician B. Number uh, two, mom also had MS. She was finally diagnosed with MS. She had Parkinson's. She had asthma, where asthma with her pulmonologist, she would have to go in, especially with seasonal changes here in Texas, she would have to go in, we'd pick her up, take her to the doctor, wait on the doctor, they would give her an allergy injection, then she would have to sit there for another 15 minutes. So what I'm getting at, this was at least three and a half hours out of your busy day. 
and she had colon cancer. So that's five physicians that had no time to talk to each other. So who is iterating this information? So me as a nurse, I found out that I could talk to the physicians. I understood the lingo if I could get off work and be at the doctors with her. Then iterating that to the family members so they can understand to have, help her navigate her care. With all that being said, I thought about what if I didn't have any medical background and I'm stressed out to the max. I got life that I'm trying to balance. There is no time. Caregiver burnout is real. So what if I could take someone and their family members by the hand and give them a clear vision on where their loved one's journey was going? Or what resources can you utilize that are out there that can help you, guide you along the way? Those are my whys. Thank you for sharing those stories. And I think, I think a lot of people can take away lot from that because for one the whole asthma seasonal allergy thing <laughs> growing up I dealt with that I, every mm-hmm. week or every two weeks I'd have to go get two shots of allergies and, right. and who right. you know either my my grandparents or my mom would have to take off early from work and, and come and get me and that was just a simple case of allergy shots yeah and then you, you brought up work-life balance and I asked that question a lot on this podcast because as an entrepreneur there is a work-life balance that you got to um play with right but mm-hmm. we're now talking about as a caregiver mm-hmm. that is something that's huge and this whole time I was thinking it back to when my my grandfather had you know a lot of health issues and, and him and my grandma ended up moving to Houston because he had to have a lung transplant and that was just wow. yeah. a long process and it was yeah. every day there was something you know and, and it was one of those that my grandma was there for every single one of them mm-hmm. um, but that just it's just a um, whole work-life balance that you it is. never I mean, figure mm-hmm. out. And this is huge because even as an entrepreneur or business owner, or you work for a company and now you have to take your loved one to the doctors, where is your time? Yeah. You have your kids, you have your husband, you got to cook dinner, you, you're supposed to work out, you're supposed to be at this meeting, you're supposed to understand what the doctors say, you're supposed to meet the physical therapist, it's, it's huge, and it can cause a lot of caregiver stress and burnout. Because you got to figure out how you're going to make up that time. Absolutely. Not that the times, I, I guess that sounds bad to say it's wasting your time at, at appointments, but um Essentially, you're taking a lot of time out of your day where you're focused on your business. So where do you mm-hmm. make that up? Something's got to be sacrificed. Right. Um, a lot of times, if you're focused on, you know, obviously, you don't want to sacrifice time with family, things like that. So a lot mm-hmm. of times your sacrifice is your sleep, <laughs> which goes into yeah. a whole other health. Mm-hmm. And then your stress levels right. go up as well. A uh, uh, quick story, if you don't mind, uh, when my mom was going through all the things she was going through, I started breaking out in hives because it was so much to handle, right? Even for a healthcare provider, right? Because we still have to care for others. So that's my job. And uh, it was just no sleep, stressed out, just stressed out to the max. And she saw this from her hospital bed this in turn worried her so we owe it to the people we're caring for to take care of ourselves by getting the right resources in place yeah no i completely agree with that and um 
know, it's just crazy to think about all of that combined. Like it's one of those, like you automatically think about the healthcare issue, but you don't think about anything after that. Right. Right. Um, so I mean, again, I, I commend you for starting this business because a lot of people, and you know this because your business is growing like crazy, but yes, it you, is. See, you see the need and the impact that you're making on the community. But right, right. Uh, so walk us through the process of what a patient advocate does day to day. Is it, I mean, it's probably different for every patient, but is there kind of a, a set schedule or is it really dependent on the patient? That's a great question. So I am so happy you answered that question because healthcare is not like a normal business. <laughs> so uh, as far as patient advocacy, so I want to iterate that there are many different types of advocacy services. Mine niche just happens to be we're nurses. So there are patient advocates that help you navigate uh Blue Cross Blue Shield. There are advocates that have no healthcare background and they help you navigate Medicare. It's not about selling you something. It's about helping you find the resources that you need because we know the resources. So a typical day for me to sum it up, it's all about setting those meetings with my clients and making sure they're educated on what their needs are. So it just depends on what my client needs that particular day. Now, there are clients that I have that want me to go to their doctor's visits with them or coordinate their doctor's visits or schedule their doctor's visits. I take care of all that. I make sure every all the key players that are involved understand. If there's a conference meeting with your care team that I need to be at because you're at work and you can't be there, I can be there as your voice. That's what advocacy is all about. We are helping you have a voice, making sure that you're included in your planning of your care. If there is a resource that you need to be educated on, that's where I come in. So no day is really typical. Like today started off with no meetings and now it's ended up with oh, I need you to be at my doctor's visit virtually. I, you know, can you talk to such and such provider? Of course. So you have to be very flexible when you're an advocate to make sure your time is allocated appropriately for that client's needs. Did that help a little bit? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> when you do that though, I mean, how long are you typically working with these patients? Do you, is it like a month to month contract? Do they just call you anytime they need something or do you sign like a, a yearly long support contract? Great question. So it starts off with the 30 minute um, needs assessment. That's where I'm hearing your story. So I have two or three avenues. So I'm very flexible with that individual. Try to explain that. So some people have called me up and I need you to do um help me with my appointments or help me with understanding my disease process or help me with understanding this procedure or why do I need it or things like that. So it just depends. I have one or two clients, they are on my subscription model. So the subscription model is you get a certain number of hours each month. 
just like an attorney would do similar to that. So you know exactly where your dollars are going. If I was researching or if I was in a meeting for on your behalf or talking with a doctor or with you at that doctor's visit or before or after that doctor's visit, whatever we were doing for you that meets your needs, that's how that works. I have another client. She is, oh, I just call you up when I need you and I'm available. That's kind of an a la carte um, pricing on that. But whatever it is the client needs, I make sure that they, they get the most bang for their buck. So if you need me to be your private advocate in all your healthcare journey and keeping everybody in the loop, we can do that. The subscription model may be best for you. So it's a month to month subscription model or it's a la carte. Okay. No, that's good. Um, and now what about geographically? Are you only focused on DFW or what if there's an opportunity in Houston or El Paso or Austin, something like that? Great question. I like that question a lot. So what many people don't know is that we have a several organizations of patient advocates. So geographically, I prefer to stay in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I'm a face-to-face type of person because I feel like we got to fight for those who don't have access to the internet or have still have a flip phone. <laughs> you know, everybody's talking digital, 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 which is great for some, but there's uh, millions of pop, uh, people out here that don't have that access. So they deserve care as well. So if I get a phone call from someone that's out of my geographical area, I can help you find the advocate in your location. Okay. So there are advocates in Houston, there are advocates all over the United States that you know I can get you connected with. Or you can go to um, advoconnection.com and you can look up an advocate in your area that fits your needs and interview that advocate. Advoconnection.com. Mm-hmm. And for the listeners, I'm going to put that in the show notes so you have access to that if you awesome. um, are interested in uh, another provider, but I always give Deidre a call and um, she can point you in the right direction. Right. So you're talking about different geographic locations. And, and I know you mentioned earlier that you're kind of focused on the nursing portion, but you know, before we hit record, you had mentioned that you are, are also partnering up with different specialties. You know, um, you want to expand on that at all for if there's any listeners who maybe work in the healthcare field, they are interested Absolutely. in be Absolutely. My whole avenue is about collaboration, finding resource partners who, that's not my specialty. So I'm not a physical therapist. So I love partnering with physical therapists. I am not a nutritionist. I love partnering with nutritionists or pharmacists or even physicians, especially our primary care physicians who are left out. That it's all about partnerships. So we can get you a team of professionals that can help you in your journey and put that puzzle together. And I keep mentioning puzzles because I love puzzles. <laughs> um, it's, that's what it's all about. I, I don't, I'm not a know-it-all. I am a connector. I'm a resource provider. So if, even if I can't help you, so I don't have any oncology background, but I do have oncology resources personnel that I do know that I can connect you with. I think that's just overall the importance of networking in general, right? Absolutely. Relationships. Yeah. It's, it's not necessarily knowing it all, but knowing who you can contact or who you can refer no matter what industry 
specific thing that you hear, but I like what you said because you hear a lot of times these commercials of team of attorneys, right? Mm-hmm. But now I'm hearing team of healthcare professionals, which I, I like that because um, sometimes one issue could go to so many different things, right? So if you look at yes. COVID, for example, mm-hmm. when my dad was going through this scare that we had, he was on a ventilator and things. So mm-hmm. he's dealing with all of this, right? And now he, he now needs PT. He now needs other specialists because other issues may come up. And so the ability to contact you to say, here's our, here's our thing now, but knowing that you can connect with the other specialties, um, it's just, it makes it easier and less stress going back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago, taking off the stress of a caregiver okay. to, to just make, make it a seamless transition. Yes, yes. And that's what it's all about. It's not about, oh, well, I don't like to turn anyone away as far as you walk away with either some other resources or you walk away with my services, either or. That To me, that's what it's about. And I just don't like when a business professional gets a phone call and the client is not a fit and they just send the client away. Whatever business you want, you can say anything about any business. I think that's just a disservice to whatever industry you're in. It's about helping. Yeah, we've seen that a lot too. I mean, I've been in sales and business for, gosh, 12 years now. Um, Mm -hmm. And you see it a lot. Like, I can't help them. So not going to to do anything to help them. And I'm like, yeah, but we know who to send them to. (laughs) All you have to, it's a few extra words that could save someone so much time even if it's your competitor yeah you know don't be scared of your competitors they I think it's a collaborative effort right because yep. and I know we're getting a little bit off track from healthcare but my pet peeve is that your competitors who well I couldn't help them yeah. but they don't think about you know hey if you help this client in another way by providing a resource that boosts your credibility and they're going to come back they're going to come back they to are. you And Mm -hmm. I don't think it's far off the topic either because this is a business-focused podcast because Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how many times I've sent somebody to a competitor of mine because, you know, whether I didn't have the item or whatever, and that customer has always come back and said, you know what, you didn't have it last time, and I'm going to give you the first shot this time because what you did for me last time. And so that Mm -hmm. that goes for any business owner who who is kind of hesitant on doing that or even Maybe they have right. some team, team members that are doing sending them on their way. Right. Uh, so that goes back into the importance of training your team the way that you want your business to run. Right. So, um, yeah. Okay, let's get back on track here. Okay. <laughs> so you've been in business about a year and a half. Um, mm-hmm. We are talking about this earlier. But that was in the midst of like your building is ramping up, ramping up, and then boom, COVID yes. hit. Right? Yes. Yes. Um, and, and with being in healthcare, that's a whole another story in itself because you know COVID hits and um, so many different opinions and and all of this stuff going on. Uh, but you're in healthcare. I mean, you know what healthcare is like, especially with COVID. So how how were you able to adjust your business model per se uh, when COVID hit? Well. Um... When COVID hit, 
goodness. Like everyone else, probably I ended up losing clients because no one knew how to navigate it. Right. No one knew how to um, get through it or what it was or anything like that. So I had to just kind of step back a little bit and revamp my marketing plan and also work on me and my vision of the business of where it was going. It gave me time to step back and kind of okay, let's revamp this vision. And, I, and it's, it's going to be, sound like I'm being, I don't want to sound like I'm being um, mean or anything, but I'm glad COVID hit. The reason I say that the loss of lives is just very serious. I'm not glad it hit that way, but it helped me step back, slow down in order to speed up. So it helped me just just kind of just revamp some things and just focus on where I really wanted this business to go in five years, 10 years, 15 years, yeah. and how to pace myself with doing that. So COVID helped me to slow down and really strategize. I think that helped a lot of people do that. I mean, you go through this whole quarantine phase and lockdown phase where everybody is forced to shut down. Right. And so I think even for me, I got laid off from the industry I was in and it made me really step back and say, well, what is it that I want to do? Right. And I had other opportunities to go back in the industry that I was in. And I just felt like I was, um, you know, our faith was pushing us in a different direction. And that's what it, the way I went. And it's been a huge blessing to, to be where I am now. But if it had not had been for the pandemic, Right. I would be still circling around the same thing over. Me and over. too. Me too. I, I mean, I thought I had a pretty decent marketing plan before COVID. And, but the one I have now is just a, just a different vision and a different journey and it's working. So um, slow down to speed up. Yes, sir. It's helped. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's get really controversial now. Okay. <laughs> 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 and you know what direction I'm going with this. But, you know, this episode is, is um, by the time this episode launches, Texas has already opened up um, to 100%. And I kind of want to get your first reaction on that. Like, what was your first reaction on Texas opening up, knowing that we still have all of these things going on with, with COVID? Well, first of all, we want to keep this podcast clean. So... Yeah. I'm not going to tell you my first reaction. <laughs> you put the explicit if I have to on this episode. <laughs> um, I was like, it's too soon. It's too soon. I could see if we had the numbers down for the last three months. I could see if um, definitely the hospital um, was decreasing in, you know, patient census. But... COVID is not the only thing that people are in the hospital for. If the staff in the hospital, they're still overwhelmed. They were overwhelmed before COVID. COVID just enhanced it. And I just feel like there's so much, if we'll be openly honest, there's so much disregard and disrespect for your fellow man. The mask is not about you. And I'm getting passionate here because it's just like, oh my goodness. 
if the people who are saying, well, I don't want to wear the mask and it's against my rights. If you get sick and your hospital personnel decided they don't want to wear the mask because it's against their rights and spread something else to you in addition to COVID, you'd have a different feeling about that. The mask is to protect you and the people that you're in front of. But hand washing is the number one, period, prevention of infection. But also just realizing that what if the person that I'm meeting with or the person that I'm you know, in the room with has to go back to their sick child who has an immunocompromised disease and they get it. What if I'm in front of someone who they are in front of their grandmother taking care of, they're trying to run their business, their, their life, and they have a husband or a wife that has cancer and they take it back to them because they were in front of me because I didn't want to wear my mask. What if I get it myself? I expect the person that's caring for me to wash their hands and wear a mask because they're caring for me. So it gets to be, it's not about you. It's about the people we want to be in front of, the people we want to do business with. Because if I frequent a business and I see that they're not implementing precaution, that means they don't care about me. They can only care about my money. That's the way I feel. So I'm not going to frequent that location because you're putting my health at risk. If you put my health at risk, you don't have money to spend. And you see that though, too. I mean, business owners, even though everything's open backed up, there's a lot of business still requiring that to happen. And I love it. And going back to what you were saying, I mean, it is become very political either. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, either you're for them or you're against them. Just saying anything else political. It's either one side or the other. There's no happy medium. Um, But I think the fact that business owners are still kind of holding their ground, supporting whatever direction they go um, says a lot for the importance and and going back for us. I mean, we're still going to operate still operating. Like uh, it's still mandated because and my wife talk about this all the time because she is in healthcare. We know Mm -hmm. how it's affecting our healthcare workers. We know how it's affecting the patients. Um, But we would probably have a completely different opinion of that. Had we a, not been exposed to that. Like if she had not been a physical therapist seeing patients every day, knowing the effects of COVID, we probably would have a completely different thought process. So when I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking about, okay, well, a lot of times their mindset is that way because they don't know the true details behind COVID and you can't necessarily fault somebody for that. But at the same time, you've got to look, go back to your original statement, caring for fellow man. And, and your neighbors, you know? Right, right. And I know they're uncomfortable and they're hot, but at the same token, healthcare professionals have always worn a mask. We just have to wear it longer now because we had mentioned that before, you know, we started hit record. But I hate to have people think that, you know, the government's trying to violate my rights or whatever. So we had mentioned, you know, about wearing seatbelts when we're people, we didn't have to wear seatbelts years ago. I'm dating myself, <laughs> but now it's, it's kind of like the seatbelt theory. You know, there's, it's really for your protection because we just don't know what's in the air or when you're in front of someone. I've always had a kind of like a leery feeling like when you go to networking events that you're eating, 
no offense against anyone who's holding network, but I just don't really do them because if someone is networking with you and they're standing by you or over your food and they accidentally, they're breathing, you know, this air is coming around your food and whatever could be coming out of their mouth. Yep. gets on your food. That's how infection is spread. <laughs> so I don't feel very comfortable with that. <laughs> so it's like it's so many points in, in the argument of this controversial topic. But if you feel like it's a violation of your rights, well, don't judge anyone else because they wear the mask. Right. I did a, a short podcast, uh, Respect the Why. So whether my why is to wear the mask or not wear the mask, respect that. Yeah, I think, I think it just comes down to that. I mean, same thing going back to politics or any religion, whatever, like respect the why. Not everybody's going to agree with you, but ex- be re- but respect why they are in favor of that, right? right. You're not going to change somebody's opinion on anything if their no. mindset's already there. No. So, so if you don't want to wear the mask, don't wear the mask. But know that... If you're the cause of someone else getting COVID or if you get COVID yourself, you chose that. So that's your choice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think all of us can can agree when we're going to be happy when COVID's over, but <gasps> yes. But when is COVID ever going to be over? Like I don't think it'll ever be okay. The light switch just got flipped off. COVID's done. Think I think that. it yeah, I think of COVID as, you know, when the plague got into, you know. It, it's the community is going to have to build that immunity against it. You yeah. know, it's going to have to get out here I, uh, on several different um, health chats with physicians who are immunologists and, you know, virologists and things like that. And it's just something that's not going to probably ever go away. We're going to get a grip on it, but it's not going to be an overnight process. It is cool. not. Yeah. We got so- a long way to go. Yeah, we do. Um, and now that vaccines are coming out, mm-hmm. you know, I'm curious to see what your thoughts are on vaccines. Um, you know, because we've got two different ones out there. I guess three now, right? Johnson mm-hmm. Johnson has one. Yeah. We've got Moderna. Mm-hmm. We've got Pfizer. Um, and then some people are like, "Well, I, I'm taking the vaccine, so I don't need to wear a mask anymore." So I'm, that I'm curious. Is absolutely you, not true. I'm curious to see what your yeah. thoughts are on on all of that with vaccines and still wearing masks after the fact. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Get the vaccine if you so choose that it's right for you and wear your mask. Wash your hands, wear your mask. Because I guarantee you, COVID is not the only thing that's going to be coming. COVID is a teacher for what's coming. It's scary okay? to think about. Yes. So we have to. Get the vaccine if you so choose. Do your research, do your research, do your research, and then look at what's going on in your particular history, right? And talk to your professional healthcare providers about that. Talk to your doctors, talk to your, you know, are they getting it? I wouldn't do something that somebody else is not doing for themselves, right? So just research it and just be cognizant of you still have to wear because the vaccines, what I do not like about media is they market these vaccines as I get the vaccine and I'm not going to get the flu. You could still possibly get the flu. 
yeah. I get the vaccine and I'm not going to get COVID. You could still possibly be affected by COVID. Just like the flu, there are different versions and, and strains Abs- of, of Oh the flu. my goodness. Yes, yes, yes. So, <laughs> it's a virus. So it mutates and there's not no one size fits all. Um, I do believe that the vaccines are going to be just like the flu vaccine that you're going to have to get them every year. Yeah. Well, I know when my wife was deciding, the hospital came down and said, you know, do you want to take it? And I know she battled with this back and forth because she was one of the first, I mean, being in healthcare, you're the first, you know, and people could call it guinea pigs or whatever you want to call it. But healthcare yeah. had the ability to get theirs first, right? And so the hospital mm-hmm. didn't demand, you've got to have it, but they gave their employees the option, do you want it or not? And she tossed around back and forth, back and forth. She spent, I don't know how many hours just researching and listening and she ended up deciding, you know, it's, it's better for me to get it than to not get it. Right. Um, and so I've, I've gotten it and you now go the whole thing about vaccines and wearing mask. It's just, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, but to say <laughs> that's okay. But it's all about choice. That's where I think you were going. It's all yeah. about choice, about you looking at your specific situation exactly you know um but also at the same time knowing that the vaccine is not there is no pill no vaccine no anything that can protect you from everything it's not a one and done type of thing because my fear is that someone gets the vaccine and then they just go out all willy-nilly you can still spread it because your symptoms from the vaccine you know, could be, could affect someone else who didn't get it or their system is immunocompromised. And now that the states open back up, now that states open back up, you know, the numbers are going to go back up. I believe it's, you're right. I believe you're right. Because it's, it's that lackadaisical type feeling, you know, okay, we're open back up and we're going to let all these people in, but Remember, there are 40% of the population that's running around that has COVID with no symptoms. That's what I was going to say about the vaccine. Um, The vaccine, going back to people saying, I don't want to be the guinea pig, the vaccine and COVID are acting as the same thing. Here's what I mean. You can be completely healthy and get COVID, and it's going to affect you completely different than it would somebody else that's completely healthy and has COVID. Absolutely. Same thing if you're going through these health issues, you may have it, it affects you may not. And so when you look at the vaccine, you could have an, a reaction to it. You know, I've got allergies and they said, make sure you bring your EpiPen and all this other stuff. And I could have had a horrible reaction to it or I don't, right? So trying to be the guinea pig or not, there's really no, no way to, there's no real way to know. You know. It's, it isn't because, you know, it COVID hasn't been here long enough to be able to research it adequately, in my opinion. Research studies usually last for years, okay? And there's so many still going on as we speak, other research studies, because it, it is mutating. I've listened to a couple virologists. It's already mutated 10 times. Wow. So... This vaccine that's out right now, or these that are out right now, 
how do you know they're going to fix what's to come? I'm, I'm trying to tread very lightly here because this is such a new thing and I don't want to influence anyone one way or the other. My thing is that fight for you. Research what's right for you. If you feel like you want to get the vaccine, get the vaccine and just still utilize necessary precautions. You still got to wash your hands. Yeah. You still got to, you know, wear the mask when you're in front of other people because you may be protected as they're advertising. But what about the person that you're having that meeting with that you want to do business with? Yeah. You know, so to me, that's what it's about. It's about not about me. It's about who am I sitting in front of that I want to continue to do business with. But if they get COVID or one of their family members get COVID, they're not going to really be focused on doing any type of business because that health comes first. Yep. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, I, and you're part of my group, but I have a, a couple of networking groups that I run and uh, a couple of the members are like, why don't you have local meetups and why haven't you implemented any of these live events? And this is exactly why health comes first. Like my family's health comes first before any networking event. Mm-hmm. And, and I've taken what we talked about at the very beginning, this referrals. I've even referred them to other groups. This group is a great group. They do live networking events, so on and so forth. But I just, even to this day, still don't feel comfortable doing that. Well, that's, to me, that shows you care about the people you are patronizing with. My opinion as a former event planner, I feel like you have a duty and a responsibility to the people that you are wanting to come to your event. Yeah. You know, some type of, and I'm scared to say, but we live in a, Happy Lawsuit Society. I'm not yeah. going to go into that anymore, <laughs> but I'm just saying. Your, your face says it all. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that's right. And I think um, it's just hard because going back to what we were saying earlier, like we had not known firsthand what it's like to, to treat a COVID patient we would probably have a completely different thought process. Right, and right. I think it's just hard as we wrap up this kind of topic, but it's just hard to, to do, but you want to respect who you're around. And for me, it's more about you know, my, my wife's dealing with COVID patients directly. Right. So I'm not necessarily as worried as somebody giving it to me. I don't want to be responsible for giving it to somebody else. Um, and Absolutely. that's my whole thing is I would feel horrible. And if- yeah. And another point is too, I would model, not just because I'm in healthcare, but even if I wasn't in healthcare, what are they doing? If my physician got the shot, the vaccine, is he still wearing the mask? Yeah. Yes. It's one of the, is he still washing his hands? Yes. <laughs> I heard this in a job that I worked at previously. Um, I used to travel a little bit for work and we were talking about travel stories one time. And uh, we start talking about um, the plane. And now I just went, I just went play. You know, you're right in the plane and all of a sudden start to shake. What is it called? You know what I'm talking about. The uh, cockpit? The, the... Uh, turbulence. Oh, okay. Okay. So I don't know why that escaped my brain, but one guy was like, you know what? You, every plane is going to experience some type of turbulence, mm-hmm. but I'm only going to freak out if I see this, the flight attendants freaking out. Right. And so that that stuck with me going through COVID, like how are healthcare professionals reacting to this the same way as how is this 
a flight attendant reacting to the turbulence. And right. it was like, wow, I didn't even think about that because sometimes you get really scared when the plane starts to shake. And my wife was telling me a story when she used to travel everywhere. And one time the turbulence got so bad, the food went everywhere and things like that. And, Whoa. and uh, but I'm going back to like, I don't know how I reacted then. But I don't if I would know how I would have reacted either. I want to start praying. Just, just start praying. <laughs> so, well, let's uh, if we could wrap up here, you know. But there are a few more questions I'd like to ask. And uh, you know, again, thank you for all your knowledge and, and all of that. But you know, you're a healthcare professional first, and then, um, but you're also entrepreneur and business owner, right? And this is a business focused podcast, but. You know, what are some bits and struggles aside from COVID that you've had starting your business a year and a half ago? Oh, my goodness. Great question. Well, um, struggles. Well, explaining to who I wanted to be in front of what this business is. That was one of the biggest hurdles, just defining my target market being able to hone in on that. Cause like I said, I have several businesses, but that target market is totally different than this target market. So I had to really sit back and say, okay, who is my market? Who needs the education? Because every business doesn't fit every business. And I also wanted to add too, now we're talking, it's so funny because I market in the business world and the healthcare world they are totally different right totally different did i say totally different it's a little bit different it's totally (laughs) (laughs) so uh it's just been just a great experience to learn from each side um what it's been so that's been my most significant hurdle that i had to get over i already had the relationships and the resources that i needed you know to build a business on paper right um and the resources to connect with people and learn who is my resource partner who is my audience knowing your audience yeah i think that's one of the biggest things anytime you start a business you got to know your audience Mm -hmm. Um, I went recently, I went through this podcast, um, kind of like a podcast boot camp workshop thing. And it was interesting mm-hmm. that when I started this podcast, I didn't have the, unfortunately, it's hard. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say this to listeners, but I didn't have the listeners in mind when I started this, this podcast. That's I had honest. the business owners and entrepreneurs who I were going to have on as guests because the idea was through COVID, they were having a lot going on, but I wanted to give them a platform to share and tell their story. So when I started it, I had no thought process behind what are the listeners going to think? I was like, Mm -hmm. what are the guests going to say and how can we help them through this time? And (laughs) finding your ideal audience is key for any business owner. If you want to start a business, make sure you know your audience first. Right, right. Absolutely. I remember in a video that I watched, you said when you were caring for your mom, you had all of this going on, but you also had a little side business, right? You had a little side, something we had going on. Recently going through this podcast workshop, we're looking at avatars and what is it that we want to do? And I've always had an idea. I've always had a side hustle of some kind. 
And so I started to, to have this idea of a, maybe a transitioning this podcast into something different or maybe even a second podcast. So I'm curious for you as a business owner and an entrepreneur, do you still have a side hustle? Yep. <laughs> yep. But um, yes, I do. That uh, side hustle is I'm an independent legal shell business solutions associate. Hmm. So that's my side hustle. Your healthcare nurse advocates is my purpose and my passion. Yeah. I do believe, and I have other other side hustles, <laughs> but I believe in multiple streams of income, but I also believe that when you have, whether it's your side hustle or another business, does it connect? Yeah. Does it connect? Is it something that can help you keep that one more customer? Meaning that it's easier to retain a client than to get a new client. Right. So it's all about having those resources for that client. So I try to make sure that my purpose and my side hustles, they connect. I am completely off on that, right? So I've always had side hustles of some kind, whether it be mowing yards or power washing or podcasting. <laughs> mowing no yards, honey, it's hot. <laughs> it gets hot for sure. Um, but, but I'm like that too. Like I've always had, you know, when honestly mowing yards was a huge blessing for us because when I get laid off, I still had yards to mow. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. I, I didn't have all my eggs in one basket. I had a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here. And that kind of got us through um, COVID, but, right. and it's been, I don't know why I just, I'm so attracted to side hustles and curious about what other people are doing because a lot well, of To me, it's empowerment. Yeah. And, you know, it, it helps you, you know, sustain and not worry because my, the whole thing when COVID hit, a lot of um, hospital personnel, they were just stressed out to the max. I'm quite sure there's mandatory overtime. Who knows? I haven't been in the hospital since 2016 as a nurse and I refuse to ever go back. That's another podcast. But anyway, um, being able to fall back on something, that's what my mother taught us when I mentioned my mom earlier in the chat we're having. She taught us that okay, if this is not working for you right now, you have this to fall back on. So right. you had your um, mowing business to fall back on. So that's to me what it's all about. So you don't just like, oh my gosh, I'm just, I got to do something that I don't want to do. Yeah. And even if you, I guess some people think that side hustle is because they don't love their job. And I mean, I work for a company now. I love my job. Like I love the company I work for. Mm -hmm. um, I love the the person that I work for, but mm -hmm. the side hustle is just, I guess, part of me. I've always had it since I was six. There is nothing wrong with a side hustle because your side hustle can help. My side hustle helped me finance this business. Yeah. So I didn't have to go out and get a loan and, you know, all the things. No offense against, you know, anyone who does that, but I didn't want to do that. That was my choice. This is basically bootstrapped. Yep. Well, my side hustle paid for a, a vacation for the kids. And every time I'd, I'd have to go mow, my kiddos would be like, daddy, do you really have to leave? And, and they would be sad, but um, we used last year, we rented a cabin uh, in Broken Bow and we just oh, had yes. a fun time. And so now my, my oldest, she's like, daddy, are you going to mow yards today? <laughs> like she, she's automatically saying that go mow yards. And I'm like, oh, do you want me to go mow? And she's like, so we can go to the cabin. Um, so I don't know. It's just, Smart girl. it's just kind of fun. Like she's like, go, go work, go work. So Smart girl. But you know, that teaches that our children the value of, you know, work 
you know, if you do this, you can get this, you can break the benefits of, you know, what you're doing. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. I think instilling a work ethic in your kids early age mm-hmm. um, is very important. And because they're watching always, always watching. And that was one thing that maybe I didn't realize as a parent, even though I was told this all the time, when you have kids are always going to be watching you. And now always. we're starting to see that the older they get, I mean, they're three and five. So they're still picking up a lot of what we're doing. So we've got to be more focused. I've got to be more focused uh, on that. But <laughs> anyway, it's been fun chatting with you. Um, there's just, you've got so much knowledge in everything that you do, uh, whether it's your healthcare or just overall generalities and side hustles and all of this <laughs> stuff. But, you know, one question I always like to ask my guests because there are different interpretations on this, just like it would be anything else. You know, how do you define success and what does success mean to you? Great question. Awesome question. Success means to me, I define success not by a financial gain. I define success by when I can see what I've done as far as helping someone or teaching someone the right way, not the Google way. Um, And that light bulb comes on where they can navigate their own they can empower themselves. To me, that's success. I get excited about just talking about it because that to me is the definition of success for me. If I can help someone help themselves. Yeah, that's good. The money comes. Yeah. I guarantee the money comes, you know, (laughs) but uh, money is not my first alternative. My alternative is my number one mission and vision is to empower you to yep. take care of your healthcare journey. And if I can do that, I'm a success. Yeah. That's a winner in my book. <laughs> well, as we wrap up final question, I'd like to give you, it's not really a question, but um, I'd like to give you the opportunity to shout out anybody that's kind of helped you along your journey, because we all know that a strong foundation to anything is, is impactful, right? If you, you have support behind you and you have those kind of helping you, pushing you, pulling you uh, throughout these difficult times of starting businesses and going through this journey, I would just like to give the guests the opportunity to thank those people. Um, so right now the floor is yours, whoever you want to thank, shout out. Um, well, I'm going to sound like I'm at the Academy Awards. That's okay. <laughs> but first I have to give honor to God because he was the one who instilled in me this vision and gave me my purpose. Secondly, I want to shout out to Darlisa Diltz of the North Texas Entrepreneur Education and Training Center. Great lady. She was the one who pushed me to, hey, you got to do this business. Hey, this is a great idea. You got to do this. And I was the one like, oh, no, I'll wait till I get this. And then I'll do this. And then I'll wait. And she was like, absolutely not. You're doing it. I like to shout out to my family, my sisters. Uh, They have been amazingly supportive. And um I hope I'm not forgetting anybody. Sandra Barron with Primerica, Ruby Shoals. She knows who she is. She's another financial advisor and nurse. And One Million Cups. I mean, the organizations that I've been involved with, some of the healthcare organizations, the sky's the limit. But I just thank any and everyone who has listened to my vision, encouraged my mission, and supported my purpose. Well, I'm excited to see what your business does next year um, and so on and so forth. So I'd love to to have this conversation maybe a year or two from now to see see you're in this big 
fancy building of your own and and you've got millions <laughs> of people working for you and i just i'm excited to see what you do because i believe in in your vision for your business and and i'm grateful for for you coming on the, this this episode i appreciate you thank you so much for this opportunity Well, that wraps up this episode of the podcast and thank you for tuning in this week if you enjoyed this episode make sure you subscribe so you get notified when a new episode releases every week and if you are a visual person feel free to check out the youtube channel do you want to be a guest on the show if you do send me an email to empoweringbusinessdfw at gmail.com and as always thank you for listening stay well and god bless